Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Turkey's parliament voted on Tuesday to approve Sweden's membership into NATO, clearing one of the final hurdles for a major expansion of the military alliance. The move comes after nearly two years of Ankara setting roadblocks and delaying Sweden's swift accession to the alliance. Despite Tuesday's vote, Sweden's accession is not yet guaranteed. Henri Barki, the Cohen Professor of International Relations at Lehigh University and Adjunct Senior Fellow for Middle East Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations, joins me to discuss this latest move by Turkey's parliament and look at the lessons U.S. policymakers should walk away with from Erdogan's handling of Sweden's NATO accession. Henri, great having you back on The Greek Current. Thanks for having me. Henri, despite Tuesday's vote in Turkey, there are still a few T's that need to be crossed before Ankara approves Stockholm's NATO bid. Are we at the end of this saga, or should we expect more drama from Erdogan? I think it's the end of the saga. I mean, they can't play more with it because they have exhausted people's patience. Of course, we never know if they can do it, but I suspect they're not going to play around anymore because they have alienated so many people in the process that one more delay would just infuriate people and would put a lot of things in danger. Because after all... The Senate still has to vote on the F-16s. This is not something that Biden can order, like Erdogan orders the parliament. So I would say, therefore, that they're not going to play any more games. Look, they've, they've, how long have they been playing with this? Two years almost? And it was very obvious from the beginning that they were going to say yes. They had to say yes. They couldn't have said no. And yet they tried to milk it, and I think... Uh, in the process, they anger people. Erdogan has linked ratification of Sweden's NATO membership to congressional approval of Turkey's request to purchase F-16 fighter jets. Is the fight for the F-16s going to take center stage now? Look, the F-16s were actually a done deal. It's Erdogan who made a big deal out of it. The Biden administration from the beginning was in favor of selling the F-16s. But as Erdogan started playing with Sweden's accession, then people started saying, wait, wait, why are we giving them arms? They're not playing nice if you want within NATO. Why should we reward them? There was no linkage. Erdogan created that linkage. And it was a terrible mistake on his part. Because look, the Turks lost the F-35s. And they will never get the F-35s because there's still the S-400 missiles that they bought from Russia are still sitting in crates in Turkey, and nobody trusts them not to open up those crates one day. So they lost the F-35, they lost it. All the money they were going to make by manufacturing parts of the F-35 in Turkey and the technology transfer they were going to get and the jobs and the export revenue. And also they lost the ability to service the F-35s, all the F-35s in Eastern Europe would have been serviced in Turkey. I mean, the United States gave them such a sweetheart deal. And Erdogan thought he could play the United States. And he, he misplayed, I mean, he, he miscalculated. So when you look at the, at the F-16s, therefore, it is in the interest of the United States for Turkey to have F-16s only because Turkey is a NATO country. It will already be the weakest, if you want, of the big powers when it comes to its air force, because it will not have access to the F-35s. So the Biden administration said, look, we want you to have the F-16s. 
But then Erdogan created this game, if you want, with Sweden. And then when people start talking in the Senate about, well, why are we going to give them F-16s if now? So that created the connection. And then he took it one step further and said, well, I need a, I need a promise before I say yes to Sweden that the United States will sell me F-16s. He created a problem when there was none. Right. And so I suspect that the F-16s will go through. There will be some debate on the Hill, unquestionably, because people are angry at Erdogan and they want to they will want to show him a little bit of kind of you can't play us around. But remember another thing. I mean, Erdogan is going to sign off on Sweden's accession. The F-16s and the, the kits to upgrade the existing F-16s in Turkey will be approved. But it will take time for these things to move. This is, you know, it's not like going to a grocery store and buying a carton of milk, right? The F-16s will take time to manufacture. It will take time for them to get to Turkey. So in a way, Erdogan not only has delayed the process, but he put himself in a terrible situation because, let's face it, a year from now, if he really misbehaves, if he does something that the United States, you may have some... People who will say, look, maybe we should rethink this sale or we should delay it. And he puts himself in a very vulnerable situation. I mean, this is such poor, uh, shall we say, leadership on his part. Henri, given what you've laid out, looking back over the last two years then, what, if anything, has Erdogan gained as a result of this whole diplomatic charade over the F-16s in Sweden? <laughs> I cannot think of a single thing he won internationally. At home, he may say, oh, you know, I, I delayed Sweden's accession and look how powerful I am, you know, and beat his chest around these things. But the truth is, the Swedes made a few changes in terms of how to treat people coming to Sweden and claiming asylum because they're Kurds. So, and of course, in Erdogan's view, PKK supporters, but they didn't extradite anybody. Remember, at the very beginning, they had a list of 32 people that wanted extradited. One of them, by the way, was dead, but maybe you can extradite dead people. I didn't know that. Another one was a member of the Swedish parliament. So they made themselves look ridiculous. And then what did they get? Nothing. The F-16s, they were going to get them anyway. Right? They endangered the F-16s by playing this game. I mean, look, let's face it, the Senate still has to vote on this, but I mean, everybody expects the Senate to vote in favor. But they, in the process, endangered, and they acquired a great deal of ill will. I mean, everybody in the U.S. Senate and on the Hill and in the administration are, my, are mad at, at the Turks for delaying this, this process. I mean, Sweden, the United States did not ask Sweden to join, or Finland, for that matter. What's interesting about this particular case is that both Sweden and Finland, after the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, said, we want to join NATO. Right? So it wasn't an attempt by the United States to expand NATO. It was in those countries who felt vulnerable. And two vulnerable countries want to join, and you're saying, well, you know, I, I don't like the way the, the Swedes have their own asylum policy, and I'm going to stop Sweden's accession because of that. I don't know, from whichever angle you look at it, it was disastrous. Henri, wrapping up, what lessons should U.S. policymakers and other Western allies walk away with from Erdogan's handling of Sweden's, and to a lesser extent, Finland's NATO accession? Well, the big lesson they should take away from is that you stand up to Erdogan and 
in the end, if you create the conditions that will force him to stop playing games, he will, because it was a losing proposition for him. But the United States did not give in to him. It's like when the S-400 decision was taken by the Turks, the United States had told them, you're going to lose the other 35. I don't, did not believe them. Did not believe the United States. And what happened? They lost the F-35s, right? And Erdogan needs to learn a lesson. The other thing is, which is very interesting, of course, is to all this speculation whether or not President Biden is going to invite Erdogan to the White House. Because this is the first time, I think, in the life of an administration, assuming by the time this administration is done a year from now, irrespective of whether who wins or who loses the election, we were on track for the first time, not to have a Turkish leader come to the White House for a state visit. Well, this really rankled Erdogan. This is despite the fact that if you listen to Erdogan, number one enemy is the United States. The United States is undermining Turkish economy, undermining Turkish security, undoing this and doing that, right? And yet, he was really angry that he had not been invited. And I think Biden played it exceedingly well. You know, he didn't say anything about it. He didn't rankle him even more. He just let him stew in his own juice. And look, let's see if it's going to happen. If I was Biden, I would not invite him to the White House just to also show him, look, you can't play games with us. And the truth is, Biden has a lot of things on his plate at the moment and that he doesn't need to be distracted by a state visit. You know, the his election being just only one of them. So... He doesn't have time. He can say, look, if I win the election, I'll invite you. You'll be my, the first person I invite you after I, I win the election. So maybe I don't want Trump to win anyway, so that doesn't matter. But despite the fact that the U.S. bureaucracy generally is inclined to give in to the Turks, I think in this particular case, the White House has played it quite well. I mean, they've done things, look, they've done things that are really not right. I mean, the Turks have been bombing not only the Syrian Kurds, but they've also been bombing installations that American taxpayers paid for in northern Syria. And we haven't said anything. So at some level, they played it well, but at other levels, they have also kept the mouth shut, which I think is a mistake. And if I was Biden and I decide to invite Erdogan here, I would go in public when the two meet with journalists, I would say to him, your discourse at home, your anti-American discourse at home is unacceptable. We are your allies. We are not trying to undermine you. You have to stop because you're making Turks anti-American. And we've been allies since the inception of NATO. This is really unacceptable. I think he should say that publicly. I think he should take Erdogan on and see what happens. I mean, we have nothing to be scared of, Erdogan. Erdogan needs us more than we need him. But it's hard to sometimes get that message across to the administration. Henri, thanks for joining us. It's always great speaking with you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanos. In other news, U.S. President Joe Biden sent a letter to leaders of key Capitol Hill committees on Wednesday informing them of his intention to begin the formal notification process for the sale of F-16s to Turkey once Ankara completes Sweden's NATO accession process. In the letter to the top Republican and Democratic members of the Senate Foreign Relations and House of Representatives Foreign Affairs Committees, Biden urged Congress to approve the sale without delay, a U.S. official said. The State Department declined to provide an exact timeline on the formal notification process for the F-16 sale. 
finally, with the ultimate aim to garner the vote of at least 120 lawmakers of ruling new democracy when it reaches Parliament, the Cabinet Wednesday approved the bill on same-sex marriage. The draft legislation was submitted for public consultation until January 31st. It will then be submitted to Parliament, where lawmakers will vote on it on February 12th. Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis stressed that he respected the disagreements both within New Democracy's parliamentary group and the Greek Church, but added that the bill adds a right to some without taking away a right from the many. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.